faith, fight, basketball. This is the F2 Basketball Podcast. All right, so we are here now with Coach Ed Conroy. Ed, thanks for being on with us, man. Oh, no, I appreciate it. It's great to, great to be on with you and spend some time. Yeah, and Ed was my assistant coach when I was at Coastal Carolina. Feels like, like, like a different life ago. And uh, Ed has then gone on with a, a couple of head coaching jobs, and now you can see that beautiful Minnesota sweatshirt. <laughs> he, he is now coaching in the cold country, and uh, so it, great. It, it's great to have you on. It's great to reconnect, Ed. I, you know, you and I talked on the phone uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I told you that you are one of the most impactful coaches that I've had, especially in com- in, in terms to skill development. So. This is a this is a great reconnect. Well, I'll uh, I'll throw that right back at you. I would say that you were a huge part of it, but you and your teammates uh, that year we were together at Coastal, uh, huge impact on my career. Just um, everything that that I kind of believed about coaching and people and relationships and how that year unfolded and how we we met some adversity, but then we kept plugging along. We came together. And we went on an incredible run the last, you know, month and a half or whatever of the season. And just, uh, I, I, I've told the story of that team to almost every team I've coached since. Yeah, that, I, so it was special to you guys, too. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I can, you know, you just, uh, it, it's, it's one of those deals where, and, and you know, I mean, obviously all coaching changes are hard. Um, and then just, you know, finding success early when you're, when you're playing some, some guarantee games and some other things, I'll never forget. And I, I always give these guys a hard time about this, but we, um, I don't know if you remember, we went, we went up, we went and played uh, Wisconsin and Bo Ryan and it was not our best moment. And they were really, they played really well that night. Um, I went, I was going, I've known coach Ryan a long, long time. One of my brothers was on his staff and, um, so I was going to go meet up with him after the game. They were having a, a, a donor fundraiser. I really didn't want to go after getting beat like we did. But <laughs> so I went to his press conference before, and the reporters were giving him a hard time in the press conference about why they would schedule a team like Coastal and how that was going to hurt their RPI as they went forward. At that time, RPI was the big you know thing to get in the NCAA tournament, get a good seed, and how that was going to hurt them going forward. And um, you know he did his best to kind of defend our team, but I think he even had some doubts. We went then over to over the, to the dinner with the donors and guy people continued to give him a hard time. I was sitting there. After a while, I felt kind of uncomfortable and left. But I can promise you this: after every win we had in January and February, as we rose up and we got into the the low 100s, I think in the RPI, um, I let him know that Coastal Carolina was uh, <laughs> was going to help him in his seating in the NCAA tournament, and uh, he could share that with all those people up in Madison. <laughs> oh man, that's fantastic. That was, that was a brutal loss. That was, yeah. I remember coach Peterson being like, he looked at you and he's like, man, this is, this isn't any fun at all. This is awful. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's, it's interesting because that year was so tough in the beginning. You know, we were, I don't know, seven and nine and we were not good. And it's like, I use that team and that story because what a turnaround. Yeah, it, it really was. And, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, I think we were playing Radford at home. It was on like our last really tough loss. And Jack Leisure, tremendous basketball player, you know, has a turnover near half court, um, something you probably never saw before from him and never would see again. 
Um, I know he felt awful. We, we let one slip away. It was one of those moments like, are, are we ever going to turn this around? And, and then we went on the, the, you know, a run where we don't lose for, you know, weeks <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and right on through. And um, I had a team at the Citadel when we were really trying to get it going. Um, you know, we thought we were better, but we didn't, the record wasn't showing it. We're playing those guarantee games. We're like six and six. We go on the road and we're playing Elon and um, in one of the first conference games in January. And we, felt like we got one stole from us at the buzzer. There wasn't, you know, a video review at that time. It, it would have clearly showed that this, <laughs> that this shot was after the buzzer. We lose a heartbreaker on the road. Maybe that would get us over the hump. And I told, that's one of the first times I told that story again. I, I said, listen, I was just here two years ago, and, and this is what this team decided to do. What are you guys going to decide to do? And, and um, that Citadel team went on to win 15 conference games, which yeah. has you know, never been done there before, but they – it's, it's, it's moments like those, and, and once you see it a few times that you realize when you're at your lowest, uh, no one's going to pick you up out of that ditch, but you can get yourself out of it. And, um, you know, if you, if you don't, if you, if you sit down and cry about it, you, you know, you're probably going to get stung by a bee while you're sitting there crying about it. Get up and do something and, and move on, you know. So I've, uh, I've told that story about that Coastal team. It's always, always been a special one for me. Absolutely. And man, what a, what a group we had and the coaches were great. Like it was like when it all came together, it came together and it was so much fun. Yeah. Well, I think all you guys uh, personally sacrificed something and then, and just believed in the coaches, which is a tough thing now, but um, you guys all sacrificed something. You, you were a great example of that. I think early on when we started to really click offensively, you had to give up a, a lot of yourself but then as we went through the season and they started to take away those things that we became really good at, then they couldn't account for you anymore. And then you, you took off and found your spot, you know, and, and now we had, you know, everybody, there, there was no scouting report. These guys just were playing and making the plays of the game of basketball we're telling them to make. And there was just a tremendous synergy out there. And it was a, it was a, a, a efficient offensive team. And one that was uh, I wouldn't have wanted to do the scout on or try to guard. <laughs> right. No, I know it. I mean, we had, you know, with Pele being player of the year before and Jack being player of the year that current that I mean that year. And then Moses and Joe. I mean, we yeah. but we were small. We were ahead of our time, Ed. We, we were we were tiny. <laughs> oh, six five at the center. Yeah. Generously. We I think that's and I and I, I remember that as well. You know, I um I you know can tell stories forever, but I just remember Every experience has benefited me. And there was one thing at, um, you know, at, at IBM, the one thing I really took, that was my first job out of college. I didn't get a okay. coaching job. I went and worked for IBM. And I had, it was, um, it was a great two years of training. And at that time, IBM was really, it was the early 90s. They were on top of the world. And, uh, you know, Big Blue was rolling. The company was powerful. and still is. But it was, it was really the number one company in the world. And, but the one thing they always said, they didn't let you have anything on your desk. Everything was, like, proprietary. And, they wanted you, you had to have a clean desk, leaving no information out there that could be, you know, a janitor could, there could be corporate, you know, the secrets going out the door. Um, but they would let you have one thing on the desk. You'd have a family photo and you could have a sign and, said, and it just simply said, think. And that came from the, the founder, Thomas Watson. And he, he encouraged everybody to sit around and think and spend time in deep thought, even if it was only five minutes a day. And don't get caught up in just, um, the way everybody else was doing things. We got to continually find new ideas and be innovative and things like that. And I remember sitting around those coaching meetings at Coastal and it was like, you know, and you remember, we, like, we tried a lot of different guys at different spots and we tried to look conventional early on. And then you go to Wisconsin and you're like, well, we're never going to be as big as them. Like, what right. are we doing? 
Like, and so it was one of those where we just kind of sat around and you know what, let's try this and that. And, and next thing you know, we've got a bunch of um, guys, guards basically out there. And we're going we're gonna to throw five guards at you. But, again, I go back to everybody sacrificing. Um, you know, uh, Joe, no, you're going to have to be like a – you're going to have to do some four-man type things for us to be successful. We know you're not a four-man, but we, you're going to have to do those things for us to be successful. And then here's where you can, you know, thrive. And Moses, you're going to have to be like the five-man, you know. And right. He, you know, and you're – but, you, you know, we need you to do this. And, and, and no one on that team – you know, we were, we were, I thought we were very good defensively because we were quick. I don't know that we were great because we didn't have all those things. I thought we were great on offense, you know, and, and really efficient at the end. Um, but so many guys now, when you put them in a matchup where they have to guard a bigger guy or a guy they're not comfortable with, like they don't want any part of that. They yeah. feel like they're getting embarrassed or, um, you know, it, why, why do I have to do that? You know, certainly you're going to double for me and things like that. Like, and no one on that team had an ego about how that would look and I remember looking out there sometimes and seeing you know we're Greg Marshall had a great winter team and they had real size and no one looked around when I read the matchups off in the scouting report no one's looking at me like you know with any doubt <laughs> or coach why are you doing that to me you know it was all team it was all yeah. team. yeah and I think I, I want to get on to to your path as a coach but I think one of the biggest takeaways you know, that you're kind of describing there was the fact that we struggled, we struggled, we struggled, but from the leadership, from the top down, from you and Coach Peterson, Coach Kashmerich and Boyton, I mean, you guys kept showing up to practice every day, preparing with a positive mindset that we were going to get better. And when we all bought in, it, you could just, you could feel it. Like you could feel the momentum and the energy. And it was, it was, uh, that was a heck of a turnaround that we had. And I think everybody sees that as one of the most memorable seasons that, that we've ever had. Um, I know this, you can, a lot of times you can judge it by the pain at the end. And um, I've never gotten over that, that one. So it, uh, that means it meant an awful lot to all of us. That's, that's very true. You said, you said your first job at a, at a school was at IBM. So what got you into coaching then? Well, I'm, I've been very blessed and really fortunate. And it's kind of a lesson for, you know, I don't know if it's going to work for everybody this way, but I just, I just really believe in it. And it happened, it's happened to me several times in my career. But um, when I was coming out of high school, I had a, a, a really tough injury as a junior in high school. And I was being recruited, you know, at a decent, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, the Iowa's and I was, I went to high school in Davenport, Iowa. And, the, the Iowa's and Iowa States were kind of looking, you know, all the mid majors in the, in the, in the Midwest were looking and then, but I played all, all sports and I had a, uh, I actually broke my neck, fractured my neck playing football as a junior in high school. I um, fractured one vertebrae and separated two others. So it was, it was pretty devastating injury. Didn't think I'd really get a chance to play sports ever again. Um, so I went through, you know, almost over a year of, of rehab and braces and all that kind of stuff. And when I finally was able to get back out there and play basketball, you know, some people still wanted me to walk on, but, um, the Citadel was like the only school that recruited me through the entire time that I was hurt. And wow. so I, prom I promised them that I, because of that, I really didn't want to go to a military school and with my last name being Conroy, uh, <laughs> and, and that was about the time that, uh, my cousin's book, the Lord's discipline come out. It wasn't a real popular time and there was zero chance I was going to go to school there, but I did promise them I would take an official visit because of what they had done, you know, for me, you know, the confidence that somebody would be there for. And so I went down there and I'll never forget, I was on the plane on the way down there 
And I was thinking like, am I wasting their time? Is this, it's, I, I told them I promised them, but who am I to say, oh, I'll, I'll give you a visit. You know, I, I, I shouldn't have that kind of an ego. But then I can distinctly remember being on the plane on the way back saying, how am I going to explain this to everybody? But no one's going to talk me out of this decision. I'm going to play for those guys. And it was kind of like what you're describing with the staff, like Les Robinson uh, was the head coach. Randy Nesbitt, who's now the head coach at Rome State, uh, was an assistant. And Richard Johnson, who's the athletic director at Wofford now, was the other assistant. And I, I just felt like those guys, uh, John Hartwell was my host. John Hartwell was the AD at Utah State now. Um, Reason Truesdale was my other host. And he's, uh, he was a two-time Southern Conference Player of the Year. I just was like, I want to be around guys like that. And, and so I decided I was going to go there. But then Coach Robinson, before I arrived on campus, took the East Tennessee State job. He traded me for a guy named Keith Mr. Jennings. And if you've never heard that name or don't know how good he was, uh, Coach made a smart move trading this point guard for that, that point guard. Keith was uh, one of the best players in the history of the Southern Conference and um, played in the NBA, played for Golden State Warriors. Um, but Coach went there for, with great success. But I, 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 was, I was hurt that he wasn't going to be my coach. I continued with my decision to go to Citadel, but I always kept in touch with him. I wrote him a letter, um, you know, and I've asked him years later, why did you, why did you call me when you were at NC State and I was at IBM? And he, he, he went back to the fact of how I handled um, when he told me he wasn't going to be my coach. And, I, you know, I wrote him a letter and thanked him and, you know, all these different things. And I kept in touch with him as we competed against each other when I was Citadel in, in East Tennessee. And so I walked into work one day at IBM. I wanted to go into coaching. But also, my dad had a business. I wasn't sure which route to go. I thought I would give it a shot and be closer to home. And it was obviously IBM was, you know, like I said, they were they were the powerful company in the world at the time. They gave me a phenomenal offer. I thought, let me try this. Now, I did find myself every day after work going and trying to start an AU team and do all of these workouts. <laughs> and so it wasn't going real well. And but I was the best in that at IBM. I took all those corporate tickets and I was going to a game every night. I saw, <laughs> I bet I saw Michael Jordan and Pippen and those guys live just in, in, in uh, 42 home games. I bet I was at 30 of them with clients, wow. you know? And so I was, it was, a, it was, you know, both years. And so, but um, I'm, I come into work one day and coach Robinson had just took over for Jim Valvano. Uh, and we, we were facing uh, probation, uh, academic restrictions. I mean, you name it, there was some point shaving allegations at the time. There was a lot of things that NC state was about to get hit with. And um, he called me and just said, Hey, I need someone I can trust you know, and um, wow. you'll be the youngest assistant in ACC. I'm not going to pay you what you're making now. <laughs> I, took a, I took a big pay cut. But, um, and he goes, and I want you to live over in the dorms with players, even though you're a full-time assistant. And um, so I said, you know, and then we had some restrictions on who could go off campus and all that. Um, but I want you to do all the scouts. So I'm, that back then you could do live scouting. You could go to games in person and scout. <laughs> and so I've got, I've got Duke with Coach K and North Carolina with Dean Smith less than a half hour away. And I'm sitting at every one of their home games doing live scouts on whoever they're playing and them. And wow. Uh, believable. Like it was a bolt of lightning and one of those blessings. But I go back to like, you just, the people you come across, you just try to treat them well and, and you never know what's going to come around. And, and coach Robinson and I just valuing that relationship and trying to have some understanding about why he made the decision he made, even though he left me at a, you know, a military school a thousand miles away from home. <laughs> you know, um, it turned out to be, fantastic so and I was right I, I, I made my decision to go to Sinaloa because I thought those guys would take care of me mm. and they have my entire life that's that that is that is a unique story yeah. and the, the but the what stands out to me is that 
the love of basketball was always there, even when you were at IBM or like, it was just, it was burning in there. Like you couldn't get rid of it. I didn't sell many computers, but I found a way to make myself valuable. That <laughs> a lot of those guys, they had families. They couldn't go to all those, all those games and events, but I was out there. And I, I had numerous coaches calling me while I was there. Um, Cause they'd see me in the gyms and they were like, you know, and what, you know, and they would, they were asking me to look for players for them in Chicago and things like that. So I was, I was staying somewhat close to it. And, and actually, um, I went out to the final four still, you know, just because I, 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 I knew I wanted to be around coaches and keep the relationships going. And that's, so I was going to the final four even when I was working at IBM, you know? So. Wow. Well, so then you get on at NC state. Yep. And so, yeah. And I mean, so I, I'm at NC state and it was, it was different. Um, you know, it was a phenomenal experience, but at times were different back then. Cause then shortly after I was there, maybe two years, they came in with a, a rule that was called restricted earnings coaches. And, um, when it, it wasn't the money, cause I was willing to make all those sacrifices, but I did that for about a year, but they were, there was actual talk that they were going to do away with the third assistant and all these different things. Um, you know, so people were worried about where things were going to go. And, um, uh, VMI had a, uh, an opening, uh, Pete Strickland and, uh, um, Dave Manser guys that had been the assistants and they had both gotten jobs. And, um, yeah. So, uh, Joe Contafio, another guy that I had competed against, um, as a player in the Southern conference, um, wanted, wanted to see if I wanted, you know, to, to, to go up there and really kind of head up, you know, the recruiting and things like that. And, and I was worried about the staff positions at NC State. And so Coach Robinson, again, with his blessing, you know, he, he said, yeah, go, go there because you got to start you know, just keep making these contacts, you know. And um, so I went there. We were, we were there for a year. And then Joe got the job at uh, uh, Furman. And Joe was fantastic to me, always has been. And still, he's another one. He's still there for me all the time. You know, call me. I got a text from him this morning, you know. Um, and uh, we'll go to Furman. And after and we're there at Furman for three years. And the job at Francis Marion came open. Uh, and they were 2-25 and 25 the year before. Uh, they had won one regular season game and one uh, tournament game. And um, a conference tournament game. And I applied for that position when I was fortunate enough to get it. And uh, it was kind of a, a, a neat time there. Westmore was the women's coach there. He's now the head women's coach at NC State. Um, so we, our offices were next to each other, whatever, but, uh, we were able to go in there and, and bring a special group of guys together and we kind of turned it around in the first year and, uh, uh, really, really neat experience. Um, from there though, I was there three years and then Buzz Peterson, who was an assistant with me at NC state, okay. uh, called and, and he had taken the Tulsa job and he said, uh, you want to, you want to come with me out here? And, uh, so I did, and obviously with all these moves, you know my wife and my family. I mean, they're, they're, they're saints, right? So, but, uh, but we, we packed up, and we were with Buzz for a year there at Tulsa, um, and then uh, Tennessee for four, and then we came to Coastal for that one. Um, and then from Coastal, obviously I went to the Citadel as a right. head coach, Tulane as a head coach, and now here at Minnesota. Um, so I think, it's, what, I think it's 11 stops along the way. Um, three of them were for less than a year. But it wasn't by design. It was always the, the, the you know, uh, uh, Coastal, I got the a head coaching job. And then VMI and um, Tulsa, uh, the, the head coach took another job, and we just brought the staff with us, you know. But uh, I, the, the story I, I, would, I would love to share with you, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but I got a great story from the, from the Tulsa days. Um, and it was, it's, you know, I kind of remember one main thing from each stop, and there's, there's one thing about that. Um, you, had, you had told me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you had said, you know, you're going to ask about kind of advice to young coaches, yep. you know, 
what would I, what would I say? And this is probably, um, uh, you know, something that is, I've told it at almost every clinic I've spoken to, because it's probably the most powerful thing that's ever been said to me. And, and you know, and, and anytime that happens, it's more about, I guess, the effect it had on me at that moment, you know, but, um, you've probably, you've probably known me. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm reading all the time. I'm watching videos all the time. Like I'm, I'm a junkie that way. And, and I've got, uh, People, people, I've got more texts during the during the, the 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 virus here and the pandemic about, uh, hey, you just sitting at home with all your binders, and, <laughs> you know, and I laugh. But um, there was a night at Tulsa. We're sitting in the office, and uh, the secretary comes in, and there was a guy there named Frank Bailey from the Williams Corporation, a huge corporation in town, who had become very close with John Wood, and every year Coach Wooden had stopped going to the Final Four after his wife had passed away. But this man had gotten, had kind of convinced Coach after a number of years to start going back again. So he would fly him to the Final Four, you know, the last few years of his life or whatever. And in return, Coach Wooden would always speak to his Christmas party for his entire corporation. There'd be five, 600 people there. Well, the secretary walks in this day and she says, hey, um, Mr. Bailey called him and he has two extra tickets if someone wants to go to this function tonight. And I'm the youngest guy on the staffs, you know, and it goes to... They, they look at Coach Peterson at Buzz, and he said, no, I've got something that's, you know, I, I would love to, but just tell him I'm sorry. But, and then it goes to Al Daniel and Kerry Keating, John Phillips. It goes around this circle, and I'm like, everybody's really going to turn this down. <laughs> this is going to get to me. And sure enough, I said, I'll take it. I'll take them. And I called my wife, and I said, I said, Jenny, bring, you know, bring a suit downtown. We're going to dinner tonight. I thought we were just going to hear him speak. I had no idea what was going to what was going to happen next, but um, I was excited enough of that. If I could just be in the room of 600 people, and we we arrive, and I give them my name, and they immediately escort us, and they just keep walking down the aisle all the way to the front, and there's a table there, and it they put me next to Coach Wooden at a round table with his family, so it's just me, my wife, and his family at a table. Wow! And 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 I'm sitting next to him, and they said that. Coach Wooden, it's such a, it was a long, he was the keynote speaker, but it was a long event, like a two-hour event, and he liked to have a coach that he could sit next to and talk to during the event. So I'm like, okay, this is almost, this is just <laughs> unbelievable, right? So I'm, I'm sitting there, and we're talking for you. It's nonstop, probably like this. Like, you ask me one question, we're still talking. I'm still talking 20 minutes later, right? <laughs> um, I'm just talking. We're going back and forth, and, he, and he's asking me questions about coaches in the Carolinas from years ago because he always used to work Campbell's basketball camp, and he's asking me about, you know, did I ever play against Erskine in school? You know, just all kinds of things. And we're going, and, and I was asking him, like, hey, who's the toughest coach you ever went against? Who gave you problems? And he's he's telling me about, you know, all that Tony Hinkle at Butler. And he would tell me, like, how he, you know, his, his what, what he did to him and how he couldn't get him and all that stuff. And so it was just a great conversation. And he gets up and he gets ready to go to the, 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 the men's room. And I looked at my wife. I said, he's, this is awesome. And he's like, you know, he said, you know, like we're, we're trading uh, phone numbers, the whole deal, right? And, um, and, and then he comes back and this is when he got me, he, he sat down and he goes, Ed, I'm going to have to go up and speak here in a few minutes. I said, I know coach. I, you know, I said, do you need to look over your notes or whatever? He goes, no, I just want to kind of, I don't know how much I'll get to talk to you after I speak. And I really want to tell you something. And I'm like, okay. And he said, um, you seem like a guy that, uh, watches film all the time. I'm like, yeah. You know, he said, you seem like a guy that just reading books about people and, trying to learn and all those things. He said, you know, and all that's, that's really good. And um, he said, and I'm amazed. Like, you know, like you're telling me about something that, you know, a coach at, at uh, 
Presbyterian who's been, you know, who passed away 10 years ago. And I know you never saw his teams play live, but you're telling me how they play, you know? And I'm like, he's like, so I'm just fascinated by the conversation. I've had a great time, but I'm going to tell you this. When you go home tonight, go wherever you keep all your books, your binders, your tapes, and I want you to throw them all away. And I'm like, okay, that's going to take a little time. <laughs> but what, what, what are you getting at? And then he looked at me and he said, I just want you to write down the names of the 13 guys on your team and spend all of your time and thought about those guys. All the time you spend now reading books and doing it, spend your time and thought about those guys and all the answers you're looking for are going to come to you. Mm. And then he walked away. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you know, I was like, it was like, and everybody always asked me, Dude, did you go home? Did you throw everything away? I, I actually did throw a lot away. I didn't throw yeah. everything away, but I did. Right. Throw a lot. Even now when I read, when I read a book, I try to bring it back to those specific guys. Is there something in here for them? Um, I do every Sunday in my, you know, when I, when I organize, you know, especially as a head coach, I would, I, I sat down, I wrote down the name. I just went through the exercise of writing down the name of each player. And just thought, what do they need this week? You know, and I just made myself do, I make myself do that every Sunday night um, as I plan my week. And so that has stuck with me my whole, my whole time. And it actually has been probably the most valuable thing anybody's ever told me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that story, I mean, I can sense it in you as a player, because I think the way that you, uh, the way that you coached and the way that you took time with each of us, it felt like it was very intentional. And I think, you know, as we look to add some value to young coaches who are saying, hey, how do I get to, you know, what Coach Conroy has done? How do I get there? Uh, that's probably not a story that most coaches would think that they would hear. You know, a lot of coaches are going to talk about the networking and the get to the events. And those things are important. It's not, you know, I don't think Coach – Wooden was trying to tell you that those were not the important right. things. I, I, I would have never heard it if I didn't go to hear him, right? So right. It, there is a value to it. But Yes, but the priority being the team that you have, the guys that you have, or the girls that you have right in front of you, those, that's, that's the difference that you need to make. Um, that's an incredible story, man. Uh, it's, it's meant a lot to me. Yeah. Okay. So, so along with that, so to me, that's almost like micro, like that's, that's like the really important part of, of doing what you need to do now. How about, you know, as you're working through trying to get into, you know, college basketball or trying to get into, you know, division one, higher level, whatever for younger coaches, what are some of the resources? What are some of the books that are, what are the things that you do? You've said the final four several times. Like, what are some of the things that you've do, done to advance your career in a sense? Yeah, and I, and I think, I think um, kind of the blessing and the curse is there's, it's, there's, there's, there's more information out there than there's ever been. Um, but, it, but it's not – that's not always – that's not all great. Like, so when I was trying to study guys uh, and coming through, like their, Coach Don Meyer was um, huge uh, to me. Uh, and I would go spend – you know, every summer I'd go spend actually – I would live at his house when he did his yearly coaches clinic. And, um, but, I, but he would have you come over to the office and he would have these files and files on clinic notes and things like that. The guys had shared with him or that he had taken. And, um, you know, he, he would, he would let you make copies right there, go through them and all that. But the personal interaction and the time we had 
you know, was really what was valuable. So, um, but I had to go to him to even get the information. I couldn't go. It wasn't on the internet like it is now. You know, I went out and uh, I remember I went to um, Utah. I wanted to study Coach Majerus. And I went out there for a week. They were getting ready to go on an overseas tour. And I went and watched practice for a week. And he would leave, he would leave me in the office at night and he'd say, everything is yours, but you can't take anything out of here, but you can copy anything down that you want. Like you can, you, if you want to handwrite the practice plans or whatever, like you do whatever you want to do and you have access for a week. But again, so you had to do those kind of things to get the information. But the valuable thing that came was the personal time you spent with those guys for that, that week, you know? And I, so I think now you can get the information quicker, but I think it's harder to really get some personal interaction with coaches and things. And, um, you know, I, I would say that, uh, you know, take advantage of the fact that the information is there on the internet. I think guys like, um, you know, Chris Oliver, um, uh, has great stuff. Doug Novak's a, 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 he's worked with me at three different schools and Doug is up here at Bethel now in Minnesota. So it's ironic that we're here in the same city now, but, um, you know, Doug has a great website and, you know, there's great information on There's a lot of guys like that. And you can kind of find the guys that kind of speak to you a little bit on, on, on your philosophy, but the the way I think again coming back to what's most important is those personal relationships and again it starts with your current group and your team um, but just find ways um, that you can really spend some some individual and personal time with whoever whoever you can and um, I think one of the things again it, it, what I took from Coach Wood and what he said to me was about it's, it's really about narrowing the focus back to the, the individuals but also just narrow your focus. In, in, in general, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to study everybody who's ever played the game, right. you know? And so I, I like to just try to look at, okay, if I'm going to, I really want to look at say, uh, you know, uh, this team this year, whether it's, uh, you know, maybe it's, you know, South Carolina, University of South Carolina, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm not going to just study all these different offenses and look at everything on the internet. I'm going to really watch all their games and see what they were thinking and just go deep dive and more, more intentional and just focus it on one team a summer or, or, you know, those type of things, as opposed to just all that information that's out there. Yeah. And that's certainly uh, the blessing and the curse of our, of our generation is yeah. there's more out there. It doesn't mean that it's actually better. Um, and, and you know what, and we tend to overlook, I think those who are right there. So like if I was in your area, and, and I would tell someone, go, go, go watch, go watch Kyle work guys out. You know, that's, that's where you'll get, you know, he's right here. And you don't have to go to LA to where those guys are working out with something. No, he's right here. Like, and go and see I, what he's thinking. I think that is the lost piece of the, 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 what people see as the lights and the glitz and the glam, like, Oh, it must be the big city. That's what it is. Or it must be like, the way that they do that, there's, there's gotta be something special surrounding it, but it's actually the meat and potatoes are in the actual work. Right. And, you know, and that was something you know, I went through, you know, cause I have, you know, it has not been, I'm sure when somebody, somebody who, you know, and I've been very blessed, like I told you, it was a, it was a bolt of lightning for me to get that break at NC state. Um, but, you know, I've also been on staffs have been let go. <laughs> I've been let go myself. And, you know, and, and like after I was let go at Tulane, um, I, I just, again, I just don't, I just don't sit around. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit and wonder what could have been or, or, or get going into that negative. I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. And so the very next morning after I was let go at Tulane, I was on the phone and I called up Brad Stevens and I said, Brad, I got to get out of here. I'm not, I'm not sitting around here. And I was next thing you know, I'm up in Boston for a week watching the Celtics practice and doing those things. And, and um, I have a, a folder I, I did 
I can't. I went to every um, summer league game in LA because I wanted to learn the pro game. I mean, in Vegas, I uh, I was with two different, three different pro teams. I went to the Chicago pre-draft. I mean, there, I bet I did 25 things. And I was more busy that summer, that spring, than I had been in coaching. But the thing that one of the things that came to me was, you know, like I don't really mind whatever job I have next. I want to be somewhere where it's not about the title, it's not about the level. It's it's about will someone be able to see me work? Like, can I prove myself because I actually have some work to do? So, and I, I say that because I would have rather been instead of say second row. And there's not, nothing wrong with any job, but because you can learn from all. But like, I'd rather be instead of being second row behind someone's bench, you know, uh, I'd rather be at a lower level and out there working and helping the guys every day. You know, so uh, and that was what I you know really wanted to the focus on when, when that came because there's, there's different opportunities were coming for me at the end of the time. And uh, Jeff Van Gundy's one who told me that he goes, just, just go somewhere where you can really work because you're a worker, but you know, like go, go where that you can do that. Don't just be the 15th guy, you know, in the office. Right. And, and something that you brought up in that was when things don't go your way, you know, everybody loves the story of the climb of the, of the coaching ladder or, you know, when things go right, but what you just talked about when things go wrong and you get let go or you don't get the job and like certain things that you had expectations, one of the things that's made you successful in this business is that you don't stop. Is that, you know, like you get let go and the next day you're like, okay, well, let's keep working. It's not like the work is over. You just have a different job title, right? Well, we, we tend to, we all, it's all, it's human nature, but you tend to, you know, you tend to think everybody knows what just happened to you and everybody's and really people are going on with their own lives like they don't know i i was you know and i'm sure a lot of people don't know but i was actually fired in the middle of a game on national tv like you know i was we were playing tulane was we were in the conference the american athletic conference tournament nobody thought we, we, we could win a game tulane had not been to the semis in ever and um we we go and we beat uh, Central Florida in the first round with Taco Fall, and um, Donnie Jones, their coach, gets let go after the game. And I, I go on a little bit of a rant in my post game that you know, come on, I, you can't wait till Monday. Like you're going to do this in the middle of a conference tournament. You're the host city. You know, like you know, you can't wait till Monday. Why are we finding coaches in the middle of it? Little did I know that the very next night we're playing Houston, Calvin Sampson, heavy favorites. We're down like seven with about eight minutes to go and a guy in the stands is waving his phone at me he goes why are you coaching so hard you're already fired it had already been on, on jeff goodman and andy katz and all these guys were already reporting that i was fired you know and th they didn't know the game wasn't even over yet oh well, my gosh you go in the huddle I, t I look at our guys they're like what are you gonna say now <laughs> you know right like, we're not going down this easy if you think that's happening you know? right oh and we go out there and our guys we come back and win the game huge celebration in the locker room and now now everybody what are you gonna do now you know so um nobody really cares you know you got now we yeah. we'll play a memphis tomorrow in the semis fellas let's, let's roll if they if they don't want me on the bench they'll have to come and you know throw me out <laughs> so, right right but uh so you never know how this is going to go or what, how, what's going to be thrown at you but just keep on going just keep driving keep yeah driving. wow that that's a powerful story right there because eh? i don't uh, know how many people would have handled it like that no, it's nuts. And then uh, the announcers, everybody, it was a huge deal right after the game. And so the next the next game, they fly Doris Burke, everybody, because it became a national story. They flew them all in for our Memphis game because it was quite <laughs> the, uh, like, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is a circus. You know? Right, right. And, and uh, so 
how would you say you've balanced the part you, you 11 stops in your career you've got a family you've got you know boys and uh, no it's how, how did how did you how did you balance that how did you still still do all the responsibilities of being a dad and a good husband i know you were good at those and yeah how did you balance it recruiting you better have an amazing wife that's <laughs> really. it yeah, and and uh, you know they, my wife, kids, they've been incredibly supportive, and and probably one of the things that um, I don't, I, I don't care, um, I don't, I'm not, I certainly don't push them in this direction to to go into coaching, but it, it one of the things that probably has made me feel you know the proudest or the or, or or really good is that my oldest son Riley is now on the staff at Southeast Louisiana, so he's wanting to go into coaching or at least give it a shot. Um, my son Hunt is with us at here at Minnesota and he, you know, he wants to go into coach. He's actually, um, you know, he, he's going to do some things with, with Doug Nowak this summer. And, you know, like he, he's wanting to go that direction. So and I guess what it tells me is that they're saying, you know, life wasn't so bad, you know, right. it, it wasn't that bad, which, you, you know, you, which means somehow, you know, my wife and my daughter here, like somehow we found a way to balance it all. And I, and I think the one thing that, um, you can do is really let them be a part of it, you know, in the right way, mm-hmm. not a part of it in, you know, as best you can, like stay off the message board, stay off right. Twitter. Just that stuff will make it, um, no matter how good it might look at a certain time in the end, it'll make it a miserable experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it just will. Cause you'll be riding those highs and lows, but be a part of it with, you know, um, I don't know where where we've been where my wife and daughter didn't make brownies on someone's, you know, a player's yeah. birthday going on since, you know, for 20 years, you know. So, right. like, just being a part of it that way because, again, we go back to relationships. Like, I don't know what other job, and, and I've told people this all the time, and I, and I mean this as a, a, like, what other job can you have where you can have lifelong friendships with guys like yourself? Yeah. You know, like, we said, I said yesterday, Jack Leisure called me while he was driving. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you know how Jack is. I mean, like, well, how, you know, you get the chance to be with the relationships with guys like that or be introduced to people like that and have them in your life. Like, it's pretty special. Yeah. Pretty- well, and it goes to say, it, it goes to show of uh, what you valued has also what stuck to you. Because uh, I'll be honest, you're not like maybe most coaches. And I'm sure you know plenty more that are the coaches, the circle that you have, I'm sure are guys that appreciate the relationships and the ones that appreciate the work. And that's who you've surrounded yourself with. But there's a lot of guys that are, that are doing it for the money, for the glitz and the glam, for all the stuff. And they, they don't go about it the right way. How have you handled running in with those guys or working for those guys or guys that don't, you know, I think it's hard for some coaches that have a boss who doesn't, doesn't line up with them have you had that and how have you handled that i've been i've been really you know i've been fortunate in the in the places i've been and the people i mean you, you think about the the cities i've been in it's it's, it's incredible list you know and and, and then the, but but really the guys that i've worked with starting you know les robinson buzz peterson joe Cantafio, richard patino like i've been really really fortunate that when I, when i have not been the head coach um, I hope as a head coach, I was as good as they are with, with, with the people, you know, um, cause it is, that, that can be tough. You do, you do see a lot. You try not to be judgmental or whatever, but you can kind of, you kind of feel for those guys cause you know, the fall is coming, you know, we're all going to experience that. And, um, you know, just whether, you know, it, it is, it's coming and the tough times are going to come and, 
when those tough time comes, you know, what do you, what do you have? You know, um, and I know, I know that summer after Tulane when I, cause I didn't, I didn't join, I was let go in April and I didn't join this staff until September. So there was a, there was whatever, five months of like, I'm not sure what the next step is, you know, and I have a family right. too, but I know that, that, that what made me, you know, really feel good was, you know, some of the, some of the players that I had coached, but, but even some of the people, um, that had that lived in the towns that we had been, you know, like whether it was a, a donor from, from Tennessee, you know, in Knoxville, like, and, and Hey, I got a job for you. If you, if you don't get anything, I got this, you know, I'm like, wow. Like, you know, I mean, it's pretty cool that we, you know, we were there four years and this guy thinks enough that he'd bring us back 10 years later, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. If you need anything. So um, you can meet some great people along the way, but, I, but it is, I, I do feel, I think when you go to the final four, I always tell people this too. Like I, I'm always anxious to get there. I get there early. Um, uh, see a lot of different people Wednesday, Thursday, but by like by like Saturday, I'm ready to go home. And a lot of times it's because I'm like, you know, <laughs> some of the you, you see a lot of what you were just talking about, you know, and the guys who are chasing it maybe and it doesn't seem like for the right reasons. Yeah, and and that's that's I mean I think one of the coolest things that I've taken away from you already is just the I think you're you're pretty focused on just what you need to do and not too worried about what everybody else is doing and I think sometimes we can get distracted of comparing ourselves oh man he got that job and that's the job that I wanted or he got this or got that how do you stay focused in this crazy information age of you know when some when you see somebody else's success or you see somebody's you know somebody gets let go and like how do you how do you manage that yeah, I, and I think you got to constantly work at it because it is really tough. You know, you, you you know how unfair the business can be at times. Um, you know how rewarding it can be, but it, it's it's when you you know the, the jobs you think you'd be great for, and and you're frustrated because you don't know how you're going to get ever get an opportunity to do that. And I just think again, the only way you can you can make it is just staying focused on, on the job you have because there's so many crazy stories that when you connect the dots back, you're like, how did that happen? How did that, how did I end up there? You know, Oh, you know, and, and just, just the different things. It, it, it really, it's amazing. Um, you know, I, I had a conversation, I was texting yesterday with, with Nick nurse from Toronto and like Nick and I are coming out of Iowa high school the same year. Okay. And we never played against each other. Um, but we're the same year, so we go to the high school. We go to the, the high school all star game, and and it was like the first year I was going to put a team together and play uh, Michigan in a, in a series. And Michigan at the time had like B.J. Armstrong, Roy Marble, guys like that. And then the next week was going to be the Iowa like northeast west high school game, like a lot of states have. We're playing Michigan. Nick's not on that team. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't make that team. It was like they were picked like the top ten players in the state or whatever, and. I took a charge and I broke two ribs in the, in the game, but I was not going to let anybody know that because I'm playing in the next game, you know? <laughs> and on top of that, I then have to go down to the Citadel military school. I'm not letting them know I'm coming in with broken ribs and giving anybody, you know, you know, I'm going to make it, you know? Right. So I go to the, we get to the Iowa thing. I'm trying to practice. I get hit in the ribs and it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta see somebody. Right. So Nick plays in the game. And Northern Iowa offers him a scholarship in that game. Wow. Yeah, so he was backing me up, and he and he gets the scholarship to Northern Iowa. Well, do you think about how, how our paths are different? I became – I've coached at almost all Southern schools because I went to school in the South. Right. 
goes to Northern Iowa through some connections there. And then, and then, and then his past, you know, like it was all like a charge. Somebody took a charge, broke two ribs and two lives just completely went different directions. Yeah. And so, you, I, you, as I promised you, at 18, as glad as I was to go to Seattle, if somebody told me I could stay home from Northern Iowa and Elvin Miller, I probably would have done that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But you, and you never, you never know where it's going to take you. You never know. So just keep working hard, doing, uh, keep your nose down, and, and try to do a good job where you're at. You know, uh, the, the Don Myers, one of his favorite books, was always the Frosty Western book about make the big time where you are, mm. and that's another one that I think is just trying to keep that 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 thought in your mind all the time. Yeah, you know. You know, and, I, and, and trust me, when Buzz when Buzz came to Coastal in the old gym from Tennessee, I'll never forget turning the corner and walking in and seeing his office for the first time from where he was a week before that. Oh you know? my gosh! But again, you know, if you make the big time where you are, you'll, you know, you can make it. Yeah, we were we were trying to figure out how to fit all me, Jamie, and Mike Boyden <laughs> and Cody Kimball like in the same in one room. You know. Oh yes, and, and times have changed now. Times have changed. Well, they have, but, but Coast has upgraded. Hey, but you think about that, like so. Mike Boyden is at Oklahoma State. Cash is doing his thing. You know, we've all we've all gone and done our, you know, found our way. And we were trying to fit in one room, the four of us, and nobody. We just we had a, I, that was maybe one of the most enjoyable years I've ever had in coaching. I laughed harder that year every day, <laughs> and just because of those guys. So. Um, you know, uh, and and how can you not laugh hard when you're coaching Pele Pele like day in and day out? <laughs> <laughs> we can tell. I, I, that's another story. Now I've told the Costa Rica story. <laughs> oh man, many many times. But uh, flying back home with him, I never never made it on that trip. I hope I had a good trip. <laughs> Oh man. Well, Ed, I I appreciate you taking time with us and. You know, I'm, I'm, it's been great to reconnect, but also just knowing what you're doing and the relationships of players that you have and that you're impacting. I know the impact you've made on me and my team and, and the fact that you're doing that and like, it's, it's appreciated, man. Yeah. Thanks. We'll do it. We'll do this again sometime soon. For sure. I hope to see you this summer. Once all this clears up, I'm hoping to see yeah. you this summer in, we'll, in the we'll gym. We'll definitely get together. That'd be great. All right, Ed. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the F2 Basketball Podcast. Remember, you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at F2 underscore basketball. You can also search for us on Facebook and YouTube. This podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. We'll see you next time for another episode of the F2 Basketball Podcast.